It's Tuesday, it's Tuesday. Welcome to Lunch Plus. That was almost me singing the Friday song, but I stopped well, myself ahead of time. Have you heard the Tuesday version? No. Gotta do a hop on Tuesday, write an <laughs> essay, do ballet. Then we'll see how much we weigh. It's the best. I don't know what's going on, never just like Tuesday. most of you probably. It's okay, I'm here. It's okay. Stretching out this rubber band. Girl Scout cookie in my hand. It's the best. Buddy's just saying words right now, guys. <laughs> you need to look it up. It's the best. Welcome to Tuesday here on Lunch Plus. We're so excited to have you on with us. Go ahead and share the broadcast if you haven't done it yet. And please do exactly what my wonderful, handsome husband just did and comment. Tell us who you are, where you're watching from. For example, <laughs> my husband, George Nauer, is watching from Albemarle, North Carolina. George, I love you. You're great. I love the rest of you too, but. I love George Moore. Um, so thank you for being on because it's going to be an awesome broadcast. It's always Buddy's favorite thing when I flirt with my husband on camera. He always makes a really fun face, I'm but always, here's why. I'm always tempted to say, like, I love you more <laughs> just to see what happens. To George? Yeah, to George. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's why Tuesday is going to be awesome. Here's what we have in store for you. First up. We have Bible trivia. We're mixing it Whoa. up today. Whoa. Whoa. We have Bible trivia, and then after Bible trivia, we're going to have a powerful time in prayer, followed by today's Willet Muffin. And I can tell you, I had a little peek at the muffins in there. They Just look gross. Interesting. After that, we have uh, What's the Word? What's the Word? What's the Word? It's going to be a good day. Debbie Meyer says, shout out from Baden. George says that he loves me more, and somewhere pastors are cringing at that. So <laughs> right now, it, we are going to hop into, you You know what time it is. It's family chat time, and we started a time yesterday of basically playing Never Have I Ever, and we're going to see who's done what. Oh, no. So. Marky forgot that it was happening today. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> oh, no. Our first Never Have I Ever. Have you ever... Question number one. Slept under the stars. That's a nice one. That is a nice one. Like uh, in a tent? Does that count? Because if it's in a tent, well, yeah. Well, that's not necessarily under the stars. If it's not in a tent, then no. Which <laughs> is very strong. No, I, no. Yeah, I think I have. I think I, when I was little, obviously camping, but when I was little, I would sleep outside on my trampoline like every now and then because I thought it was fun. So I'd sleep outside in the sleeping bag on my trampoline. Interesting. I lived um, in Maine. The crime rate is nothing. So. The crime rate is nothing. <laughs> yeah. I no, just don't like the bugs. Yeah. Outside of a tent, no, I haven't done that. George says yes. Priscilla says yes. Johnny says yes. Yeah, I don't, wow. I don't, I don't think I'd mind it even now. Like, mm -hmm. I'd want an air mattress outside because I'm older and I can have things like that now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think I do that now. It sounds peaceful to, like, wake up in the middle of the night and just be like, oh, there's the stars. I will say waking up in the middle of the night with a whole bunch of dew on you, like, uh, because, <laughs> that's not fun. <laughs> Sleeping in a um, not insulated camp, like a little, like a, like a lake house thing mm -hmm. in Maine. 
I think one time my family pushed it to like November and there was no insulation in Maine. I think it was, I think it was November. It might've been How October. How are you alive? I don't know. And I remember one morning I woke up and there was a dew on my phone. <laughs> so I kind of slept under the stars. Kind in the of. house. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's uninsulated and it's Maine in like the winter. It's something. <laughs> Question number two. Have you ever had your hair catch on fire? Uh, a little bit, like from like a candle, like just holding the candle and forgetting that your hair is there. <laughs> I, mean, I was a child, okay? Like, I need more than that. I need the story. The, we were out of power and I was walking around with candles, placing the places inside the house and I was like, what's that smell? That smells really bad. It was the smell of burning hair, my hair in the candle. So the smell alerted me and it was all fine. And <laughs> I have a nose. George says yes, you've caught your hair on fire? Uh, well, it depends which hair. Like wow. arm hair, uh, yeah, in a fire. Leg hair, yeah. In, like in a big <laughs> fire and you're like playing too. with like the wood? Like a bonfire? Like, yeah, like a bonfire and you're like playing oh. with the wood. And like it singed? Well, actually, no, there was a sermon illustration where like, um, like you put uh, like uh, flammable gas into like uh, nope. water and what's it called uh, soap like dish soap so you do that and it makes bubbles and you scoop up the bubbles and catch it on fire and goes boom and it's really cool but I burnt my hand on that Ooh. but like my arm hairs so it's just been my arm hairs and my leg hairs Nothing so more. these are like the cautionary tales that this is like these are why youth pastor memes are made because the youth pastor catches himself on fire but mm -hmm. that's cool um, Priscilla says no. George says yes. I still want to know when you've caught your hair on fire, George. Uh, Natalie, hello, Natalie. Natalie Wagner's on with Benjamin. We all know Benjamin, the cutest baby, who is often our co-host with What's Good. Um, and Benjamin's mom and grandfather are helping out with the broadcast today. We have the whole family here, so we love the Wagners and the Shavers. They're great. Um, no, I've never caught my hair on fire. Really? I'm responsible. Uh, question okay. number three. Okay. <laughs> have you ever, whoa. That, I I just have you ever a had a surprise I party? I glimpsed into my future. Have you ever had a surprise party thrown for you? <laughs> have you ever had a surprise party thrown for you? Melanor. Uh, kind of. I remember as a kid, my friends were hiding in my bedroom closet and jumped out for my birthday. <laughs> it was a surprise. <laughs> and now we had a party. This sound, it, it just sounded like a story that was not going well. I walked into my bedroom <laughs> and my friends jumped out of my closet and that was my birthday. Mm. That's it. <laughs> Or like Billy just doing something really wrong. I went into my room. There's Billy. That was my birthday. No, that was basically my childhood. Billy doing weird things. Priscilla says yes for her 37th birthday. Natalie says yes. Have you ever had a surprise party? I don't think so. Not that I can think of. Like it must the, have been great if it was. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom's going to watch this It was later. such a surprise, like, I still don't know about six -year -old? it. My six-year-old? Like, I'm excited for Mama Crabtree to hop on later. Well, like, the closest thing was, um, like, a couple of years ago, before we were married, um, uh, Serena had to go home, like, to New York for, like, two days. Well, she had to go back to New York to work. She was, like, visiting in Maryland, and then... 
Um, and then two days later, I wasn't expecting her to be there, but she came back for my birthday. I think like two days. She had to work like one day and then just came back the next day. That's cute. And like, I didn't know she was coming back and that surprised me. That's like the closest thing uh, that I can job, think Serena. of. Uh, Miss Jan says that she has, Julie says that she has. I have had a surprise party, um, and I've also thrown surprise parties. So I threw George, I threw George his very first birthday party, and I threw him his first surprise birthday party. Wow. So they were separate events, but I have done that. Next. Have you wa ever walked out of a theater because the movie was so bad? Yes. Yep. George and I did that. I don't remember what the movie was. I, I know we watched like a few minutes of it and we walked out. We also did this recently on vacation. We went to a, like we were taking a vacation this past February and they had like a comedy club thing there. And we're like, oh, that could be fun. And we were there about 10 minutes and then got up and left. Like we paid to get in and then we walked out very quickly. I've, yeah. I've walked out of a play before because it was so heretical. Yep. Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, like halfway through, I'm like, it was like me and my whole family, we just kind of left. Yep. Um, I don't remember ever, I, we might have walked out of a movie, but I don't remember. Yeah, if it's inappropriate, we leave. We yeah. don't stay and hang. Mm -hmm. Have you ever left? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Was it Twilight? They're all like me as a kid, <laughs> but as a kid, I was, um, I was in the theater for the Texas, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then I ended up some. It was a it, interesting story. I ended up leaving, but I almost watched that as a child. <laughs> <in the theater. laughs> on accident or on um, purpose? It was just some people weren't thinking something through that a child should be watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was like no. about Texas toast, and it yeah, was just really wrong. Sure, That's so it was. I remember Texas. that one. What have you guys walked out of seeing? Uh, Victoria, Jan, both say yes. Priscilla says no. Johnny says yes. George says what? I'm assuming to yours about the Texas Probably. Chainsaw. That would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, we don't, we don't stay and hang with stuff that's like inappropriate or at all borderline of stuff. We, we leave that. Um, so that's what we do. But, yep. Fun. Fun. Fun, fun. Speaking of fun, <laughs> it is Time. Tuesday has been flipped on its head. We're going to do Bible trivia first. So go ahead right now, share the broadcast, and get your typing fingers ready. Get ready to answer because if you are the first answer, the first correct answer, you get free money to get coffee or whatever you want on us. We're excited about it. Then we're going to hop into the rest of the broadcast. But share right now. We'll be back in just a couple of seconds, and we'll see you on the other side. What is up, guys? Welcome 
to Lunch Plus. We have an awesome broadcast for you today. Let's just take a look at our table of contents for today. What do we have going on today? First, we have Bible trivia, your opportunity to win gift cards on us, and I thoroughly enjoy this segment. After that, we have a powerful time of prayer with Barrett. Uh, put your prayer requests in the comments. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you, and we want to believe for you. Uh, believe with you. After that, we have Will It Muffin. Uh, put in the comments, what do you think we will be muffining today? I can just tell you right now, the it's going to be interesting. And after that, we have uh, What's the Word. It's going to be an awesome broadcast. But first, let's start with Bible Trivia. All right, guys. Well, welcome to Bible Trivia. I enjoy this. I hope you enjoy it too because this is your opportunity to win some gift cards on us. Uh, and so here's how Bible trivia works if you have not been with us for Bible trivia. What, we, what we're going to do is we have five questions for you. They're all multiple choice questions, so that makes it a little bit easier for you. But when you're typing in your answers into the comments, what I want you to do is uh, I want you to put the number of the question first and then A, B, C, or D. That way we'll be able to know exactly what question we're on and uh, which answer you're putting in to the comments. All right, so for example, for number one, if, if the answer is D, I want you to put one D, and that's how we're going to do. And the person who first puts up the right answer on our screen, right here on Restream, it might look different on your screen. Someone, we have people watching across multiple platforms. So the first correct answer on our screen that comes up is going to be the one who wins. All right? So guys, get your fingers ready. Get your typing fingers ready. Get your Google search up and prepared. Uh, whatever you have to do, let's jump into Bible trivia. Let's start with question number one. Question number one. What was Nehemiah's job before he went to rebuild Jerusalem. A, was he a shepherd? B, was he a cupbearer? C, was he a counselor? Or D, was he a court jester? What was Nehemiah's job before he went to rebuild Jerusalem? Oh, they're coming in. I see some over on YouTube. Put your, put your answers in real quick. What was Nehemiah's job all right, put up the answer on the screen. What was Nehemiah's job? He was a cupbearer. And that one goes to Caleb Vinoy over on YouTube. Well done, Caleb. Well done. Uh, that first point, that first gift card goes to you. Uh, if, and for those of you who receive or win a gift card, make sure you reach out to us. We'll try to connect with you, but make sure you reach out to us so that we can make sure you get that gift card in your hand. All right, let's move on to timeout. My wife is here. Hi, Serena. I love you. All right, resume. All right, on to question number two for Bible trivia. Question number two. Question number two. Where did Jesus heal the man possessed with a legion of demons? Was it A, Jerusalem? B, Damascus, C, Gadara, or D, California? Where did Jesus heal the man possessed with a legion of demons? Was it A, 
Jerusalem, B, Damascus, C, Gadara, or D, California? All right, I see the answers coming in. They're coming in quick. They're coming in quick. I'm telling you, I, I feel like YouTube's a little bit quicker today. All right. What, Serena said D for sure. Okay, wife. All right. Wh where did Jesus heal the man? What's the answer? It is C, the land of the Gadarenes. All right, that one also goes to Caleb Vinoy. Well done, Caleb. That's two points for you. Well done. We're super pleased with you. Well done. All right, now we're moving on to question number three. Question number three for like, I guess, five points. Now, how old, I almost said now old, how old was Abram when God called him to leave his country? A, was he 75? B, was he 25? C, was he 100? Or D, was he 14? How old was Abram when God called him to leave his country? Oh, I see the answers coming in. They're coming in quick. They're coming in hot. How old was Abram when, he called, when God called him to leave his country? What's the answer? It is... A, 75. And that one goes to Victoria Vinoy. Well done. We got a power couple here right there. Well done, Victoria. That point goes to you. All right, now moving on to question number four. Question number four for today's Bible trivia. I just did a jingle. Barrett's really ecstatic about that. By what alternative name was Matthew referred to in the Gospels? Was it A, Matthias? Was it B, Levi? Was it C, Thaddeus, or was it D, Matuski? I looked up nicknames for Matthew, and Matuski was one of them. That's not the answer. <laughs> oh, no, I just gave you guys a hand. I'm so sorry. Was it A, Matthias, B, Levi, C, Thaddeus, or D, Matuski? I see the answers coming in. They're coming in quick. What was the alternative name for Matthew? What's the answer? I don't know why I can't read those fast. <laughs> B, Levi. And who does that go to? That also goes to Caleb. Wow, you guys are destroying this in a good way, not in a bad way. You're ruining our segment. I'm just kidding. You guys are doing great. You guys are doing awesome. Well done. That's four points for them. And now moving on to question number five, our final question of the day. What was Saul searching for when he first met Samuel? A, was he searching for water? B, was he searching for donkeys? C, was he searching for his brother? Or D, was he searching for buried treasure? Caleb said, sorry, we're very competitive. That's not a, that's not a bad thing. Most of the time. <laughs> In this case, it's a good thing. What was he searching for? Was it A, water? Was it B, donkeys? Was it C, his brother? Or D, buried treasure? What's the answer for question number five? He was searching for B, donkeys. And who does that go to? That goes to Victoria Vinoy. Well done. Well done. All right. Um, you know what? I'm just going to do one more just because I feel like it. All right. Question number six. Surprise question. 
question number six. Who led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron? Was it A, Jethro, B, Zipporah, C, Korah, or D, Antifa? Who led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron? Was it A, Caleb, B, Zipporah, C, Korah, or D, Antifa? Huh? Jethro. Wait, what? Oh, that says D, Jethro. Oh, man. Well, all, my, my screen says Antifa. So, I don't know. What's the right answer? It'll probably say Antifa on there on accident. What's the correct answer? It is... What's the right answer? Do we have the right answer? There it is. See, Antifa just popped up. I don't know what happened there, but the right answer was in the right spot, so that's a good thing. It is C. Cora. Who was the first one to get that? That was Kevin Novicki. Well done, Kevin. Well done. You get a gift card on us. Make sure you, for those of you who uh, want a gift card, make sure you reach out to us. We'll try to reach out to you, but we just want to make sure we get those into your hands. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Trivia. Now it's time for a powerful time of prayer with Barrett. So, Barrett, take it away. Hello, guys. Welcome to prayer. We are super excited to have you on with us as we are getting our green screen stuff situated. We just are so excited to have you on. God is good. He is so good all of the time. And he believes in you. You know, we've been talking about it a lot lately, but the Lord thinks good things about you. His heart is for you. His heart is to bless you. That's the Lord's heart. And so when we come to him in prayer today, we're coming to him knowing that he's a good father, that he has good intentions for you, for me, for his children. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, if you can put that in the comments, put this verse in there. Uh, we're going to actually go 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And in the, or in the King James Version, it says, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. When it says that he cares for you, the the Greek and Hebrew, the old, um, the original word, it means he's taken an interest in you. God has taken an interest in you. So when we cast cares on him, we do so knowing that God has taken an interest in us. God cares about you. He cares about you. He wants you to prosper. His thoughts toward you are hope and future and promise. Glory to God. He is such a good father. He's a good God. And we 
are just so honored to be able to pray together. So I want you to join your faith with my faith and let's in unity come before the Father today and just pray out the will of heaven. He's so good. Father, we thank you. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you, God, that you desire us. Thank you, Father, that you have chosen us to be your people and you have cho- and we've chosen you to be our God. Lord, you've given us the option to choose you. And today we choose you. We choose you to be our Lord. You know, guys, there's a difference between that. Pastor was talking about it this weekend. There's a difference between Savior and Lord. Today, let's choose to make him our Lord. Not just the person who's going to save us from hell, but as the person who directs us into promise, who directs us into hope. Just wherever you've been on that scale, maybe you've only had Jesus be your savior before. Right now, let's take this time and make him Lord. Jesus, you're our savior. You've saved us from hell. You've saved us from death. You've saved us from everything that we need saving from God. But Jesus, today, right now, we make you our Lord. You call the shots and we'll be obedient. Right now, we can cast all of our cares, anything that would distract us, anything that would cause us to think on things that aren't worthy of praise, anything that would take our eyes off of looking at you, Lord, we cast those on you because you care for us. And as our Lord, we we live for you. We live to be obedient. We live to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We live for you, God. In Jesus' name, empower us today to live for you. Give us the Holy Spirit. Jesus, baptize us fresh today. Say that wherever you are. Jesus, baptize me fresh today with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, fill me to the overflow until I can't hold anymore. Let the Holy Spirit and his power flow out of me fresh today. Let me be a witness for you, God. You're my Lord. What you tell me to do, I'll do. I won't be in fear. I won't be in care. I live free because the struggle's over. I struggle with nothing. We struggle with nothing. In Jesus' name, for every person who's watching, I call an end to the struggle that's been in their life. Whatever that thing has been, whatever evil thing would try to rise up against the standard of Christ, I call an end to that thing by the blessing of God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let the blessing of the Lord rise up right now in every viewer's life. Blessings be on their job. Blessings be in their family. Blessings be on their children. Blessings be on their marriage. Lord, let everything that's been a care, let it turn quickly today in Jesus' name into a blessing. Let that thing turn today in the name of Jesus. The thing that has been plaguing your people turns for good today. Your word 
word tells us in Romans 8, 28, that you turn all things to good for those who love you. Father, we love you. We've humbled ourselves to you. We've made you Lord of our lives and not just Savior. Now turn that thing for good. Turn that thing for good. Turn it now. Satan. that thing is being turned. The thing that was causing me care is being turned today. Make that yours. It's turned. Make that declaration. Put it in the comments. Say, it's turned for me today. Jesus has turned it for me. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. Thank you that that thing, those things, they're being turned right now. Right now. Glory to God. Father, thank you. Thank you for turning everything for good. Thank you that it's being turned. Children are returning home now in the name of Jesus. Children that have strayed away from the things of God, they're coming home today. They're being returned back to you today. Marriages are being healed today. Yes, Lord, we thank you for it. Every marriage that is connected to this broadcast, it's being turned into glory today. Marriages are being strengthened today. They're being strengthened into the glorious image of God that they were designed to be in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you. Thank you that you're turning relationships into prosperous relationships. Thank you, Father, that you are filtering out. Lord, your word tells us that you're the God that closes doors that no man can open, and you're the God that opens doors that no man can shut. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you are shutting the doors on things that had no right being open in our life and you are opening doors that we have only dreamed about being open for as we make you lord as you become the lord of our life let those things that we have only dreamt about let them come to pass let dreams be birthed into manifestation off of this time of prayer today, Lord. Lord, let things that you've planted on the inside of us, let them start to come to life. Let them come to life today. Let us dream again. Because we're not thinking on cares, we're thinking on promise. God, you're the God of promise. You're the God of hope. You're the God of future. That's who you are. And that's who you've made us to be. We no longer think on anything that's a care except to praise because today you've turned that thing. Every care is being turned into good in Jesus name. Hallelujah. God is so good guys. Now, before we wrap up, as you know, we like to do a daily confession. These confessions come straight out of the word of God. So we are on confession number three. If you can put that on the screen, confession number three says, we have divine health in our bodies now, and we carry an anointing for supernatural healing. Let's say that one more time and let's prophesy that over ourselves. We have divine health in our bodies now, and we carry an anointing for supernatural healing. Every sickness that would try to come on you, it's going to roll off you like water off a duck's back because you are the healed of the Lord and you are anointed to carry healing. That is who you are and it's who I am. And ah, 
I'm so excited to be made in the image and likeness of our God. He's good. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for this time of prayer. If you could tell that the Lord was moving on your behalf, if you could sense the power of God as you were praying, just go ahead and put some hands up in the comments right now and let us rejoice together. I'm so stoked. Prayer just, ugh. I get so excited after prayer because God hears, he answers, and he moves on the faithful prayer of a righteous man. Well, guys, it is time to hop over to, you know what time it is, Will It Muffin. And I'm going to need to pray. Thank you, Jesus, that we prayed for healing going into Will It Muffin. Hallelujah. What do you think we're about to consume? Put it in the comments right now, and we'll see you on the other side of this quick video. Hey guys, welcome to Willet Muffin. I am so excited. Today we have some really, it's a really interesting one. So yeah, good. we actually, this one is kind <laughs> of a special one though, because this is the first time that our choices were actually get, uh, taken from you guys. You guys commented what you wanted us to make, so and thanks. we made it happen. Yeah, thanks, thanks for that. So this is thanks. all you. Hey. So, yeah, the, yeah. the people have spoken. I really think that the people who have spoken should have to eat this. <laughs> like, that's just I my agree. personal opinion. I 100% agree with that. <laughs> if you have any ideas of what, what you would like us to try to muffin, see if they will muffin, if they will not muffin, mm. comment now. Let us know if you have any ideas. I don't have high expectations, <laughs> mostly because I don't see eggs on this table, Marky. So, um, <laughs> the person that made them, you know, when you're baking and you have new ingredients, you kind of have to, like, play some Improvise. things by ear. The person that made them decided that we didn't need eggs. Which um, is a key component. It is a key component. So that that muffins. may have um, uh, it, it affected the muffins a little bit this, <laughs> this week, but we're it it's, we're going to see. Bit. We have not tasted them, but just by sight, <laughs> they seem to have been affected a little bit. But anyway, Yay. so would you guys like to know what our first ingredient is? So as soon yep. as I tell you what it is, I want you guys to comment and and guess if you think it will muffin or if it will not, if it'll make a good muffin, or if it will not make a good muffin. I don't have high expectations for any of this. <laughs> nope. I actually, no. there's the first one I actually had high expectations for, had you high did. hopes Did for. you hear that tense? I had. Had. <laughs> I had. I had high expectations. Oh, there were no eggs. That just kind of changed things a little bit, but I think with eggs it would have been amazing. So the first okay. one okay. is coffee. Coffee is our first ingredient. Yay. So, yeah, Betty, you want to put the coffee in? Coffee muffin. Doesn't that sound like it would be good? Do you guys think coffee muffin would be good? I think coffee cake muffin is <laughs> oh, great. Oh, coffee cake. Coffee, coffee cake, cake is the best. Yes. I enjoy coffee Did cake. Did you decide that we weren't going to do it all? <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> I just decided to go with that. Like, put a tiny bit. <laughs> wow, it's, it's not he's mixing like, very well. He's like gently like like water off a duck's back. It. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard that. You've never, never heard, heard, that? heard that? No. Okay. Uh, oh. <laughs> Johnny. It's, it's it, like doughing up. It looks like a crater. Like, it looks like Crater Lake National it Park. That's looks the like, mountain? No, it, it kind of looks... I don't know if you looks, can see that. It's, it kind of looks know what's like cookie right dough. Now. It sure. looks good. It looks like cookie dough. So, uh. um, 
Yes. I'm actually enjoying it. So coffee. That. It looks like cookie dough. Let's see if it'll taste like cookie dough. Are you guys <laughs> ready to taste it? So, sure. Uh, Prilla says yes with eggs. She <laughs> thinks that it would be good with eggs. Johnny's guess of what the muffins would be would be soda. We have other ingredients coming up, so you might be right. We'll I see. don't know how I feel about what's happening in the bowl right now. Like, <laughs> it's interesting. I'm enjoying it. It's like, okay. Are you, it's very fun to play around with. Are you, guys, are you guys ready to see the first muffin? Yes. No? Yes. Yep. Yes. We're Let, ready to see the coffee muffin? I feel like the coffee muffin has the highest ratio of being the most normal. Of being like, the most normal? Of the ingredients that I see before me on the table, one of them looks like Mountain Dew, so that's, that's exciting. Here they are. There they are. Oh, they're really wow. tiny. Oh, they are they're super tiny. sticky. <laughs> Why are they so sticky? If you want, you can put a picture up on the screen of the coffee muffin. This has such a weird texture. <laughs> what happened to the picture? <laughs> I, I think the so thumb is destroyed. When we were trying to break it in half, I can't even it break it. Did not it in want half. to break it in half. <laughs> it does not it at all. It decided to stay together. So it was. Oh my that's goodness! That's what happened. What's it gonna do on my stomach? <laughs> what is color it gonna break is apart this? in my stomach? Are this guys, is a weird texture. Okay, I'm like I'm not being silly. Like I'm pulling right now. Like it's. Are you guys thankful for eggs? I am. Guys, I'm really thankful for eggs in this moment. Yeah, I need you to eat this live Johnny with us. Johnny says, Johnny is an amazing baker. He says so. You should have kept the eggs and substituted the liquid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, so before <laughs> I put this in my mouth, I need y'all to know that this, like the texture of this, it literally is like memory foam. I'm mm -hmm. squishing <laughs> it down, and, it's, and it's slowly going back to what it was before. <laughs> this is really? Such Nothing. a disturbing. Such a disturbing texture. What are those texture. things that kids play with now? Like the little foamy, squishy toy things? Oh! This is like a stress it in ball? real life. Yeah, it's stress like ball? a foamy fruit. Like it yeah. looks like, that's kind of what this is like. Okay, guys, uh, yes or no? I'm just telling you, you might have a really time, easy time guessing. If you really feel like, you know what? I want to be right today. Just there's a certain answer you're probably going to be right on. So if you want to go ahead and comment. What you thinking? I'm texture. thinking the flavor's not bad, but the texture's disgusting. <gasps> mm-hmm. The flavor's good. The flavor's well, good. It's the just flavor's coffee really, with no creamer. The flavor's kind of weird. Yeah, it's really like dimmed down. Mm -hmm. But the texture's the worst. I really like the coffee flavor. I think that with eggs, a coffee muffin would muffin. Okay, yeah. here's the thing. I think that this is what cold French toast is like. That's yep. what this muffin is. It's cold <laughs> I French can taste toast. That. That's actually For sure. not the texture, but the flavor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, guys, if you uh, don't want to make cold French or do you don't want to make French toast, just make this and give it to your kids and be like, there. Actually, that would be a lie. Don't do that. That would be like, <laughs> that's the opposite of the verse that says like fathers give good gifts. Like, don't, don't do that. That's, it's okay. not good. I, that, this does not work for me. This is a thumbs down. I have a question for you guys for the next muffin. Wait, w were you a thumbs down? Oh, so much thumbs down. What if it yeah. had eggs? I don't know. Still, I'd be a thumbs down. What? I don't really? like the I taste of it. I would say yes, it muffins with well, eggs. We'd have to try it. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't know what the egg really does. Mm -hmm. If it's just even the flavor, it's not good. I don't Can think. Can you guys guess what this is? Mountain Dew. Who was I asking right <laughs> I don't know. I'm on the segment. <laughs> I thought it was okay. <laughs> It is Mountain Dew, yes, it Even is Mountain Dew. Even though there's a bottle Dew. of Mountain Dew right over there. <laughs> you was, know what? I just got straight up rebuked in front <laughs> wow. of you guys. You know what though? It's from Food Lion, so it's... It's, um, it's off-brand Mountain what Dew. What is it called? What is it called? Mountain Lion. What? 
It's called Mountain Lion. <laughs> I think that's so funny. How's the Mountain Lion? Great. It's <laughs> so good. It's at it. Here it comes. Whoa, look at what it's doing to the... It's, it's foaming. It's foaming. That's not natural. Why are you so excited about that? <laughs> that's cool. I didn't expect that. <laughs> what a sight. I'm the rest of the coffee now. Okay. Well, this is becoming a <laughs> horrible, horrible conglomeration of Look at things. The whisk. <laughs> this is so the whisk. nasty. Wait, let's let, watch you drop. Ew. <laughs> this is so nasty. Yeah. Yep. Do you guys think that Mountain Lion will make a good Mountain muffin? Lion. Yes um, or no? I honestly have somewhat hopes for this one. Really? Mm -mm. Not high hopes, but I have more hopes. More than coffee? More than coffee, yeah. What? No. Are you guys like him? Do you have more hopes for Mountain Lion than coffee? Yes no. or no? You think it'll muffin? I guess we'll find out. The, the sound that it's making and the fact that it's chunking is really interesting. <laughs> it's like congealed. See, that looks normal. It looks normal, guys. It oh, looks... But it's got a weird, weird texture again. It, it still doesn't have eggs. Oh, look at that. Oh, so the person who made it told me that they, when they stuck a fork in it to see if it was done, it just capsized the top of the muffin. <laughs> like it just caused it to, to sink. Well, th these are very up. difficult to pull apart. Wow, this is tougher than the coffee was. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't eat this <laughs> with how difficult it is to pull apart. I had to massacre it in order oh to my rip goodness. it apart. Eggs are a really crucial part of baking. <laughs> they are, very much so. Um, I'm not excited. Wow, it looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looks like it's not cooked. Okay, all right. I'm going. I feel like it could have been cooked a little more. Ah, oh, chewy. Do you see me trying to get a piece? <laughs> it's so chewy. It, it, Johnny said it should because you can use Sprite for pancakes. What? I'm okay with this one. Mm. It's so chewy though. <laughs> Like, even like this, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't love the texture of it, but the flavor for me is pretty okay, and it counteracts how weird this muffin is. Do you guys taste the mountain lion? No. I can a little bit. Really? At the end. I, can't yeah. I regretted going for another bite as my teeth, like, chipped on it. I didn't really, <laughs> but it felt it like it It has such help. a weird, chewy consistency. That's not fun. Yep. Well, I think the flavor's good. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Yeah, for me it works. If it um, had an egg, I would give it a thumbs up. Sure. Yeah. Yes. It muffins. It muffins. Mountain lion muffins. Okay. Are you nope. guys ready Mountain for the last muffins. one? I'm so sorry. This last one was my brainchild. It's not LaCroix, is it? No. no. Okay. It oh. is. Mm -mm. It's clear. It looks like water, but it's not. Is it Sprite? It is. It is. Can you guys guess what it is? I want you to try to guess what it is. Is it tonic water? No. It's not, well, it should, is it fuzzy? It's not it fuzzy. should be fuzzy. It is energy drink. So today, these are energy muffins. Oh my goodness. Re yep. Is it Red Bull? What kind of energy drink? It is, it's actually not Red Bull it's, because it's actually, I got another one that's apparently healthier. It's called oh. Bang, right? It's, bang. it's called Bang. It's called Bang because <laughs> it's apparently better for you. Okay, looking at what's happening inside the bowl, like it, this basically just looks. Can we looks, muffin ah, this? What are those? You good? I dropped it on the ground. What? what are what's the type of cereal? <laughs> that smell. Before we eat it, what's the type? Why are the colors this way? <laughs> why are they so lopsided? Oh what's so messed up? That one is that Guys, one fell on the floor. It's 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 like the top of a macaron. Do you see how white this is? Well, see, these like, are all the same muffin mixes, and this one looks like well, batter. Can you guys put the picture up on the screen? Or maybe you already did. Yep. It looks like a sand dollar, but if a sand dollar <laughs> it looks has like, like a, a body, it looks like a little chef's hat. 
<laughs> yes. Because it's like literally not standing up normal. Going back to the batter, what type of cereal is it? I'm thinking it has a frog. It, the like mascot's the frog, and it's like these little tiny Max. Honey, honey smacks. Max. That's what this looks like. That's mm. how congealed it is as it's going. Okay. okay. I'm just delaying because so I don't want to eat this. I just it open, okay. and the insides look super. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's. It just, it, I can tell it's cooked, but it looks like gelatin-y. How did you just separate <laughs> it like It just like fell that? like that. It's like a piece of paper. It really is, but yeah, it looks like there's gelatin inside of that. Ew. Well, this is going to be something. Cool. Here you go. Can Do I, you guys think this will muffin? I don't think we've gotten any I don't know yeses. if like the uh, acidity of I don't the, think we've gotten one yes. No. Okay, mm. tell me um, what it tastes like. What does it taste like? Ah. Ew. Oh, oh. I don't mind this. No, there's a very no. gelatiny. No. Like, like it looks gelatiny. It no. has a gelatin Can kind of texture. Can you guys taste the blue raspberry? That's yep. what flavor it is. It's blue raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> blue raspberry. Mama. So I don't mind the flavor of this at all. I'm good with this. I'm just nervous because energy drinks make me very jittery. This so preaching is, is gonna be really Hopefully fun. Hopefully it cooked out. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's how things work. Amazing. But. I. Oh, yeah, no. so the texture mm. of all of these is the same. Terrible. Like, it's all terrible. Yeah. Um, but I think the flavor is okay for this for me. So I'll give this one a Mountain Dew a thumbs up. So, <laughs> what do you think? Like, this, this one definitely had a weird gelatin texture. <laughs> like, You're not you can over see the texture. That. No, the te texture is like 50% of whether I like something. Look at this, though. It really does look like a sand dollar. Like, it's... <laughs> Johnny wants to know if he needs to make muffins before work. Like, do you mean for Willet muffins on Tuesday? Oh. Or just for us I'll eat every Johnny day. Shaver muffins Johnny. 100%. Do you guys want to try muffins. out Johnny's muffins? Like, if you want to make muffins for impact tonight, whatever the Lord tells you to do, Johnny. <laughs> what? But yeah, uh, no. I'm okay with this no one. No with the, the... I'm okay with this one. This. I'm good with this. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. So we discovered something very important today. If you ever want to make muffins and you don't have eggs, don't, don't do, it. do it. Just skip don't. it. Just don't do it. Skip the whole process. It was really scary. It was not on purpose, and it was scary. It was not good. <laughs> this was a not good thing that we did today. Not good. Not good. Blech. Yep. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Like I said, comment if you have any suggestions that you would like us to try. Because sometimes they turn out better than we thought. Sometimes they turn out worse than we thought. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought the coffee was going to be good. But anyway. I want to throw this and see what happens. It probably will bounce. <laughs> the muffin is fine, guys. <laughs> and that's the in our bodies now. It didn't even, nothing broke. <laughs> <laughs> it's still perfectly It's perfectly whole. intact. Nothing Wait, happened. <laughs> it's still fine. Nothing fun. happened. It That's just not hit the natural. And the floor. Nothing happened. That's so not natural. Well, there's a little bit of a break. No, that's not natural. That's in our bodies now. Uh huh. How exciting. I, well, good. I don't know how to transition from this place. Guys, if you could be praying for us, we'd appreciate it, be, especially for Buddy, because Buddy is about to hop into What's the Word. So, guys, I'm super stoked. Share the broadcast right now. We're going to be back in 30 seconds for a special episode of What's the Word with Buddy Crabtree. Go ahead and share it right now, and we'll be back in just a couple seconds.
What's up, guys? Welcome to What's the Word. We got a. I, I was praying last night about um, what the Lord wanted me to share with you guys, and the, the the scripture that that came to my mind as I was just praying about it was Numbers 13. And so, if you want to open your Bibles with me to Numbers 13, um, we're going to be looking in there. But essentially, uh, what we're going to be talking about is pursuing the promise. Um, you know, I, I remember when I was younger, I had a teacher who refused to call me Buddy. Now, for those of you who might not know this, Buddy is not my real name. My name is actually Glenn. That might have blown your mind. I don't know. But, uh, but, my nick- but uh, I've been called Buddy since I was born. Um, and, and I had one teacher. She refused to call me Buddy. Actually, I had another teacher who, who sent me out into the hallway when I asked her to call me Buddy. She said, this is the first day of class, and we're not going to have any of these shenanigans, any of these cahoots. <laughs> Um, we're not going to have any of that. I'm like, ask anyone in the room. That's my name. But, uh, but I had one teacher. She refused to call me buddy because it just made her think of the elf. Um, and, uh, and so she just refused to call me buddy. But here's the thing. There's going to be people, like, why, why the heck am I bringing that up? There's going to be people who, who will refuse. There's going to be people in your life who are going to refuse to treat you or to, to, to talk to you like you are a new creation. The Bible says we are a new creation. The, uh, in Second Corinthians five seventeen, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are gone, and all things have been made new. And it's important for us to understand that all things have been made new. It's important because if we're not able to understand that, we're not going to be able to receive the promise that God has for us. See, the de- the devil, if the devil can't keep you in the kingdom of hell, he'll keep he'll keep you from the promise that God has before you. If he can't keep you in his own realm, he's going to do whatever he can to, to rob you of your identity in Christ. And we see he, that he's doing that a lot. He's doing that a lot uh, in the church today, where, where, where people have taken on this identity that's not actually theirs. They, they walk around like weak and miserable wretches, you know, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a mess, I'm, I'm just this miserable old what, what, whatever. And, and the problem is, recognize how much God loves you. I mean, see, God, God showed you your worth, but people, oh, I'm just worthless, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not worth anything. I, you know, that's not biblical. See, Jesus showed us our worth. Uh, Pastor Brian says this all the time. He's, he, he talks about how the, the value of something is written by the purchaser. And what did, what, what was the, per, the, the, what did the purchaser God purchase you with? The Bible says we were bought with a price, with the life and the blood of Jesus, which was a high value. And Jesus died to make you worthy. So, so don't walk around saying, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, you know. Jesus died to make you worthy. In and of ourselves, we're not worthy. But through Christ, we are a new creation. See, the, the problem is like this. It's like a butterfly, right, who went through the, the process of becoming new. It used to be a caterpillar just, you know, uh, worming around on the ground, eating like a vegan. That's all it did. 
And then, and then it went through this process. It became a new creation. But imagine a butterfly that all it does its whole life is just crawl around on its belly and does nothing. You know, it has the ability to fly in freedom, to fly in, in the air. But it's, it's not oper- if, if it's not operating in the environment it was created for, it's not going to be able to live to the fullest of what it's created for. And, and how many believers are like, a, they became a new creation. And what does a new creation mean? It means you're not the same old you know, weak, miserable person. Jesus purchased you as a child of God. See, when God called, hear this, and I want you to put this in the comments. When God saves people, He doesn't just save them from hell, but He saves them to Himself. God didn't just, put this in the comments, God didn't just save me from hell, He saved me to Him. And when God saves you to Him, that means it's not just a, oh, well, praise God, I'm not going to hell. It's praise God, I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a child of the King. If God is for me, who can stand against me? And, and we need to be able to take on that mentality to adopt that identity within ourselves. I'm not just a weak and miserable person anymore. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of God. See, picture this for a moment. Picture that you paid the highest price for someone that you love more than anything else in the world, right? Imagine that. Like, picture the person you love more than anything in the world. And now picture you, anytime you walk into a room, they run away. Oh, I'm not worthy to be even be in your presence. They run away. Oh, man, I'm just, like, you try to give them something because you are good and you love them so much. But they say, oh, man, I can't receive that. I can't receive that. There's no way I can receive that. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine just how heartbroken you would be that, that someone you love so much and you want to pour out so much love on them, but they won't receive anything that you want to give them. They won't receive any promises that you give to them because, because they're just terrified and afraid of you. That's not how, imagine, now imagine the broken heart of God. See, when you look in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians, I believe it's chapter 3, Paul says this. Paul says, uh, I, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, starting in... Let's start in verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted, being rooted and grounded in love. See, we're supposed to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. God loves you so much, and we need to be rooted and grounded in that love. That you being rooted and grounded in love, what, what, what does love do? It casts out all fear. Being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God and now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. See, this is the fullness of God. This is the love of God. If we are rooted and grounded in love, we're not going to fear God. We're not going to cower away. We're going to run to him. We can come boldly before him. We're not going to take on this identity of, I'm just weak, I'm miserable, I'm what, whatever. But, the, if, but again, if the devil can keep you from understanding your identity in Christ, he'll be able to keep you from obtaining the, all the goodness and all the glory that God has for you. You know, we, we talk about this. We walk in the full manifestation of our inheritance in Christ. The only way we cannot walk in the full manifestation of our inheritance in Christ is if we believe that we don't deserve it. If we believe that we're so weak and miserable. You know, what, what is that? We're still identifying as the old man. But again, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are new. We are new. And so I, I, wanna just, I want us to walk through uh, uh, Numbers 13. This is where God has brought his people out of 
out of uh, bondage and slavery in Egypt. He brought them out miraculously. Why? Because He loves them. And He has a promise set for them. And, and He tells them, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a beautiful land. It's a prosperous land. God prepared it for them. And He says, now I want you to go and I want you to take it. And this is what we read in Numbers 13. We're going to start at verse 1. This is what it says, Numbers 13, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel, from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord. All of them, all the men who are the heads of the children of Israel, and then it starts listing the names of the men. So God is telling them, God told Moses, hey, I want you to send spies out. I want them to see how good this land is before you go and possess it. So these 12 spies, they go into this land, uh, this land flowing with milk and honey. They, they, they begin to take some of the fruit of the land, some of the clusters of the grapes. They begin to see this is an incredible land. That when God said this is a land flowing with milk and honey, it's beautiful, it's prosperous, it's, it's, it's such a perfect land. I actually want, want to take you to Jeremiah chapter 3, but I want to read it in the New Living Translation because I like it. That's the best explanation. Uh, I just like the way that, that it's said in the New Living Translation. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 3, I'm going to start at verse, mm, verse 19. This is what God said. Uh, is saying to, to Israel. He said, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. Hear the love of God in this. I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I looked forward to you calling me father, and I wanted you never to turn from me. Do you hear the heart of God there? Where he's saying, I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land. And so he said, I want, now, now I want you to send these spies. Look at this land, this land that I prepared for you. It's so beautiful. It's so incredible. And the spies went out into the land. They saw that it was incredible. But then all of a sudden they began to see, oh, wow, there's big people here. All right? there, there's giants in this land. There, there, there's giant fortified cities here. And they took their eyes off the promise. And then they just focused on the problem. They took their eyes off the promise that God had prepared for them, and then their eyes were just on this big, big problem, you know, and that's all they focused on. They completely forgot all that God just did in Egypt, where he pulled them out, where they, he literally was dismantling the chariots as they're, he literally just split a sea, dismantled the chariots as they're chasing after them, like all this miraculous stuff. Pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day to lead them and guide them. The manna that he provided, the, the, the water that came out of the rock. They just kind of put that all aside and, and they lost their sense of identity. That, that's essentially what happened. The enemy came, into their, came in and, and changed their identity. And I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Numbers 13, 26, and 27. Now they departed and came back. Um, to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They told, they told him and said, we went to the land you, uh, where you sent us. Truly it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And they brought the fruit. But let's look at verse 27. And this is what they said. Nevertheless, 
The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, the giants there, like their descendants of Anak. It's like a bunch of Goliaths, essentially. We saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by, by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. I love this part. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. <laughs> Picture that. Caleb was like, shut up. That's how I interpret it. He quieted the people and said, shut up. Uh, and he said this, let us go up at once and take it as a possession, for we are well able to overcome it. See, Caleb had the identity that, that we all should have. If God is for us, who can stand against us? If God told us this is ours, he's going to give it to us. He's saying this land is prepared for us. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. If the God who loves us and brought us out of Egypt is with us, we can easily take it. Let's go now. And see, he had the proper identity, but hear this. Verse uh, 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they are the children, uh, and they gave, hear this, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land uh, through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Notice what they just did. They just twisted the promise of God and said God's a liar. Hear this. Their fear caused them to alter what God said about this land. They said this land actually devours its inhabitants. Hear, hear that. P picture this. He's saying the, the people in this land will destroy us. The people in this land will eat us alive. That's what they, they began to share with the people of Israel. Notice how wicked this is. Notice how wicked this is. But we see this happen all the time today, too, where people say, you know, uh, you know a life with Christ is a really difficult life. You know, a life, you know, we, the life, you know, they begin to complain and say, we were better off in Egypt. We were better off there. You know, what, 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 what's that? When you hear people say, well, you know, before Christ, I had this beautiful life of luxury, but then once I came into the kingdom, I gave all that up and entered into this weird, pious living where life was just difficult. Life with Christ is so difficult. You know, uh, that, that, and that's a wicked thing. They're saying the promise that God had for us is actually a life of difficulty. It's going to devour you. It's going to eat you up. And what they're doing is they're taking on this identity that, that, that if we follow the, the command of God, it's going to destroy us. That's literally what they're saying. But God is, but remember the heart of God in, in, in Jeremiah 3. I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I looked forward to you calling me father, and I wanted you to never turn from me. But verse 20 says this, but you have been unfaithful to me. You people of Israel, you have been like a faithless wife who leaves her husband. I, the Lord, have spoken. He, hear the heart of God here. God loves you. Recognize. God, again, God doesn't just call you from uh, hell. He calls you into a promise. He doesn't just call you from destruction. He calls you to himself. A life with God. A life where you are a child of the king. Imagine if you're a child of the king and you're just scrounging, or you're, you're crawling into the kitchen, just picking up scraps off the floor when the king says, I want you to eat at my table. See, this is who God is. God wants us to enter the promise. And the devil wants to strip us of our identity. Re hear this. This is what they said. 
the land which we have gone to, it devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Picture this. This is how they identified. We're just grasshoppers in their sight. We're just little ants. We're, we're, we're little nothingness compared to these people. So what, what were they focusing? What was their focus on? Was their focus on God? Was their focus on the problem? Uh, he, here's another way that, that you'll hear it a lot, especially in Christian circles. Oh, you know, I know God promised this, or, or, or I, I, I was going in this direction, but God closed a door. How many times have you heard people say that? The second they, in, they encounter opposition, well, God closed the door. So, so, you know, this must not be for me. How many times have you heard people say that? And it, how, oh, it breaks God's heart. The Bible says God's the one who opens doors no man can shut. He shuts doors no man can open. So if God, why would God call you into something and then shut it in your face? What kind of a wicked, weird, messed up, schizophrenic God is that? But no, see, when we say God closed a door, if God called you to do something and you face opposition, don't call it a closed door. How, like, I, I've heard people say, I, well, God was calling me to move to this place. I, I believe that God was calling me to go to this place, but I was having a hard time selling my home, so I guess God just closed that door. No, he didn't. That was just an opposition, and it's your job to kick down that door, to shout down. The, a mountain comes before you, should we just say, man, that's a big mountain. I guess God doesn't want me to climb it. If God called you to go to the other side, speak to the mountain and tell it to move. That's what he said. Don't use your voice to... to don't use, I heard Jonathan, say, Jonathan Shellsworth say it this way. He said, don't use your voice to, to, uh, to describe your mountain. Use your voice to move the mountain. Don't just stand there saying, well, it's a big mountain. It's such a big problem before me. No, begin to declare, if God, just like Caleb did, if God's calling me to this place, he's going to empower me to take it. And see, uh, you know, if, if all they did was just say, well, can you imagine they walk up and just say, well, there's already people living there. I guess, I guess God doesn't want us to take this land. We'll just wait for them to leave. <laughs> you know, They wouldn't have left. God said, I want you to go and inhabit it. And you know, if God has given you a promise, how do we know what His promise is? We read His Word. If God has given you a promise, don't just sit back and wait for it to happen. You need to go and possess the land. That's why we're talking about possessing the promise. Uh, you know, the Bible says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This is something that Barrett was sharing uh, in the comments in, uh, not too long ago. Um, those who wait on the Lord shall renew your strength. Can you put, put the... the the scripture reference. I know it's Isaiah, but I don't remember. Um, but those who wait on the Lord. And people will take that and say, well, you know, I'm just waiting for God to do. I'm just waiting for God to do something. Just wait and hope. That's all we can do. But that, and they twiddle their spiritual fingers and just wait for something to happen. But waiting on the Lord is different than waiting for the Lord. When you wait on the Lord, what you're doing is you're doing what he's called you to do. It's like a waitress waiting on a table or a waiter waiting on a table. They're serving the people. They're doing what the people need them to do. That's what waiting on the Lord is. So when, so when, uh, so when God is saying, I want you to go and inhabit this land, and they walk up to it and see there's opposition, it's not their job to just say, well, we'll wait for God to take them out of the way. No, God's saying, I want you to go possess it. And then you begin to seek the Lord. Okay, God, how do I move them out of the way? Not just say, well, there's already people there and they're super big people. So, you know, let's not do this. Let's go back. You know, like that. And, and it really boils down to, do you believe who you are in Christ? 
that you are more than a conqueror through Christ, but recognize it's through Christ. It's not just, well, I'm more than a conqueror, so I'm just going to run into this blind. It's, I'm going to seek the Lord, and I'm going to be led by the Lord, and I know that when He leads me, He's not going to lead me to my own destruction. We see that in, in David's life. He's always consulting the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. So it's when I'm in acknowledging the Lord, when I'm doing what He's calling me to do. See, that's what waiting on the Lord looks like. Waiting on the Lord is not just waiting for something good to happen. You know, they didn't just stand there on the outskirts, wait for something, and wait for something to happen. But they began to complain and argue. And, and, they, and in their minds, uh, you can see that the devil tried to convince them and change their identity, that they forgot all the things that God has already done for them. And they said, we're just grasshoppers in their eyes. We're just grasshoppers in their sights. Recognize, again, if the devil cannot keep you out of the kingdom of hell, he will do whatever he can to keep you out of the, out of the promise that God has for you. Because recognize, the devil would rather have a bunch of weak and miserable Christians running around the world than empowered Christians that are actively fighting against him. See, if, if, we, if we can enter into the kingdom of heaven, that's awesome. That's, that's, such a, that's such a great thing. But if the devil can convince us that in the kingdom of heaven we're still weak and miserable and helpless in this world, then he'll, then he'll just run over us our whole lives. And the world will look at us and they'll say, wow, they're just a bunch of weak and miserable people. Why would, why would I want to serve their God? But see, God wants you to walk in the supernatural. He wants you to walk in health, in healing, in prosperity. These are all promises of God. And if the devil can convince you you're not worth it, then we won't be able to have the faith to, to, to receive it. If the devil can convince us that we're just grasshoppers, that, that, that uh, according to, to the obstacles that we face in this world, if he can convince us that, that there's no way we can, that we can claim it or receive it, then he'll keep us out of victorious living. And, and, and the Bible says in Revelation, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so if he can keep us uh, from having testimonies, he can keep us from overcoming. He can keep people out of the kingdom because we don't really have a testimony to be able to share of God's goodness. We'll just be able to walk around and say, well, you know, I believe one day in the great by and by, you know, things will get better. But we can walk in it now. We can obtain the promise now. And so uh, verse Numbers 14, actually Proverbs 23, 7 says this, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We become who we identify as. If I identify as a weak and miserable wretch, then my life is going to be weak and miserable. If I identify as a conqueror, I'm going to walk through life conquering. If I identify that if God is for me, who can stand against me? Man, that's how I'm going to live. That's how, what my life's going to look like. And, and I want you to read this, Numbers 14, verse 6 through 9. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. Why? Because now all of Israel, because of a bad report and a lie brought by 10 of the 12 spies, they were complaining, complaining against God. They were complaining, saying, well, essentially saying, God's a liar. His promises are not yes and amen. If he promised this land, well, it's inhabited and it's a wicked land. They began to complain and, 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 and grumble and argue. And Joshua and Caleb started tearing their clothes in grief. 
And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through, they're, see, they're trying to tell them, God is true. The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, which he did, uh, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. They're quoting God. Uh, only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Do you hear the differences in how they perceive themselves? The other ten spies said, we're grasshoppers in their eyes. Joshua and Caleb said, no, they're actually bread for us. I love this next verse. For this next portion, their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Their, their protection, whatever walls they have, whatever bigness and giantness they have, it's all stripped away before God. And if God is for us, they're nothing. They're bred for us. See, you see their identity. And, and, and later on, God actually says, the things that they speak in my hearing, that's going to be what they get. So the ten spies that say, they're going to devour us, they were devoured. The two spies that said, they're bred for us, they were the only two, along with Moses, that were able to actually inherit the promise. And see, I want you to hear how important and how imperative it is. If we want to inherit the promise, recognize, it was never God's intention for Israel to wander around for 40 years. It was never God's intention. He wanted to lead them directly into the promise. Uh, but because they didn't believe, because they didn't walk in faith, because they forgot all the things that God's already done for them, and because they listened to the report of the enemy, essentially, they complained. They said, well, there's no way this is for us. They said, well, I know God promised this. You know, it's, it goes back to the garden, you know, where the devil was like, did God really say that he would do this? That's what they were saying. They were essentially challenging the promise of God. Well, did God really say it was a land flowing with milk and honey? Did God say it's a good land? Because there's a lot of really big meanies in there that would love to, t to cut off your face. You know, like, that, that's essentially what they were doing. They were twisting, they, they were saying that the word of God was a lie. And so when I read my Bible when it says that he heals all my sicknesses and disease, when, in Psalm 103, verse 2, when I read my, in my Bible and it says that uh, in Isaiah 53, and uh, I think First Peter 3, that by his stripes I was healed. And, but but some, someone tells me, well, actually, there's a lot of, thing, a lot of sicknesses and a lot of diseases that you, can be, that you should be afraid of. That, you know, God doesn't, they'll say, God doesn't heal all sickness and all disease. And they'll just point you to, to some story. They'll never point you to the Word of God. What are they doing? They're saying the promises, all, not all promises of God are yes and amen. What are they doing? They're, they're trying to keep you away from, from inheriting the promise. They're trying to convince you that God's not a man of his word. And, and the Bible says very clearly, if God said it, he'll do it. God's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. He, he's faithful. He watches over his word to perform it. And so what's the promise that you're believing God for. I, I'm challenging you not to let the, the voices of the world or, or the voices of past experience to, to convince you otherwise. God's not a man he, that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he's going to do it. He, and, and all of his promises are in him, yes, and in Christ, amen. All the promises of God. 
So don't be like the Israelites here where God has put a promise before you, but, but the second you feel a symptom or the second you face a financial difficulty or, this, or God's calling you into a place and, and, and your house isn't selling right away or there seems to be an obstacle or a problem, don't take that as a closed door and just say, well, I guess I missed it. You know, if God's calling you into the ministry, don't, don't just wait till you can financially afford it or whatever. If God's calling you to do something and He's calling you to do it now, be led by the Spirit. But if He's calling you to do something, He's calling you into a life of overwhelming victory. 2 Corinthians, no, 1 Corinthians 2.17, 2, 2.14. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph. Always, he's always leading us to triumph, always leading us to victory. That's who He is. So if He gives you an instruction, He's not going to say, go into the land and possess it, and, and you walk up and there might be an opposition. That doesn't mean that God's closing the door and saying, ha, you thought, I was just joking, I just wanted to see if you'd do it. No, God's, God's sending you into a land to conquer and to walk in victory and then to triumph. Thank you, Barry. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Hear that. God is always leading you to triumph. Put that in the comments. God is always leading me to triumph. God is always leading me to triumph. So when you face an obstacle, it's, you, it's up to you to take it to God and say, God, empower me and show me how I'm going to knock this out of the way. How am I going to take these giants out of the land? How am I going to knock these walls down? How are we going to kick open this door that no man can open? And, and God, how am I going to shut the door to the enemy that no, man can, that no man can open? See, take it before the Lord. Consult God. Just like King Hez, I, I believe it was King Hezekiah when Sennacherib came to him. Was it Hezekiah? I don't know. But when Sennacherib came and, be, and sent the letter saying, hey, uh, we're going to wipe you guys out. He took the letter, took it to God and said, okay, God, you got mail. What are we doing today? And God gave, God gave him instruction. When, when the Philistines camped against Israel and, and David went before the Lord, okay, God, what are we doing? And God gave him an instruction and God led him to triumph. See, that's who God is. Why? Because God is good. Hello. God is good and he loves you. I pray that you being rooted and grounded in love. We can't walk in faith if we don't know that God loves us. We cannot walk in faith if we don't know that God is fighting on our side and fighting for us. We can't come boldly before the throne of grace if we don't know that everything that God does, that God works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. If we don't know this, if we don't understand this, if, we, if the devil can keep us identifying as the old man, which is supposed to be gone, Barrett, Barrett and, uh, and Marky were talking about this yesterday. When they were talking about, uh, you know, taking off the old, getting rid of the old sins, not focusing and dwelling on the past you. See, because the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's going to try to keep you. Well, remember, well, you're not new yet. He's going to try to convince you that. It's like, but we're called to operate in a new life. We're, ca we're called to operate on a new level. We're not just mere humans anymore. We're a new creation. Paul actually rebuked that. You know, you, you'll hear people, well, we're just human. You know, we're only human, so we're not, you know. But actually, Paul rebuked that mentality. And, and I believe it's 1 Corinthians 3 when he says, when he says, you're, you're quarreling, you're fighting, you're acting worldly. Are you not acting like mere humans? That's what he says. You're just acting like everybody else. But we're called to live in another way. Why? Because Christ is in me. 
Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And yes, you'll face troubles. In this world, you will face trouble. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So whatever you face, there's victory attached to it. Every, every obstacle that you will face is just an opportunity for you to triumph. That's all it is. There's no other outcome. There's no other option. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 2.14, he is always leading us to triumph. So when an obstacle hits you, don't just say, well, God's closing the door. No, stand up in faith. Stand up in faith and declare and know that God is not going to lead me into my own destruction and into my own defeat. He's leading me to triumph. And so I'm challenging you to have the spirit that Caleb and Joshua had. That, 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 that rises up in the face of opposition and says, no, everyone else is saying that we're going to get defeated. Everyone else is saying, you know, everyone else is afraid of the land. Everyone else, you know, even in the time we're in now, there's a lot of people who are afraid. But we can stand up and say, those who dwell in the shelter of the Lord, Psalm 91.1, will find rest under the shadow of the Almighty. No deadly plague will not come near my home. You know, a thousand may be dying around me, but it will not touch me. Why? Because greater is he that is in me. There are more for us than those against us. Have that mentality. Please, be, be, be humble enough to rid yourself of the, of the prideful uh, lie of, of, it's like, Okay, I started, I'm going to finish. See, there's a false humility that says, oh, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm weak, I'm... Mis-. We think it's humility, but it's actually pride. Because what we're doing is we're saying, I'm too pious. And like, if God were to tell you right now, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Oh, no, that's too much, God. I, 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 I shouldn't receive that. I don't need that. You know what? Some people would be like, oh, praise God. But, but here's the thing, if, or how about this? If God were to give you a private jet, how many people, how many other people would rebuke you? you? Why do you have a private jet? And God told you specifically, I don't want you to sell it. I want you to use it. <laughs> how many, well, that makes my flesh uncomfortable, God. Why? Because there's a, a prideful spirit that, that's saying, you're too good for that. See, so many people think they're walking in humility, but really they're walking in pride. God, I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I, like when it comes to healing, well, God, whatever your will is, you know, what, well, he made his will clear, but we walk in this, we, we think it's humility to reject the goodness of God. We think it's humility to reject the provision of God where God wants to hand you, uh, let, let's say God wants to use someone and hand you, oh, no, 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 I can't receive that. No, no, no. Like take, you know, here, here's the thing. Johnny says, I receive a private jet. Praise God. See, uh, here, it, it, it's, it's this false sense of humility, a, a false humility that's actually a prideful humility where we reject the goodness of God. But, but remember that illustration I gave at the beginning. See, God is leading you to triumph. He's leading you to victory. He's leading you to prosperity. He's leading you to good things. Like the people who reject and despise Kenneth Copeland for having a private jet, would, they'd have to re- despise and reject uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph, Job, Solomon, David. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. Like, well, he, they have too much, and Christians shouldn't have that much money. They shouldn't have that. They should take that and sell it to the poor. That's a Judas mentality. And, and it's a prideful thing. It's a false sense of humility where we reject the goodness of God, and this is what they're doing. You know, well, I, I'm sure that might be part of what they're doing here. They're rejecting the goodness of God. Because they don't really understand how much he truly loves them. 
well, I'm just a weak and I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a weak and miserable wretch. No, you're not. You are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. He became sin who knew no sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. That's, that, that's who we are. I am more than a conqueror. And, and people will say that this is prideful speaking, but no, this, this is pointing people to Christ. If I walk in victory, if I walk in hope, if I walk in joy and in victory, people are going to see God through me. And they're going to see, wow, God is actually good. Too many people think God's so wicked and evil today. They think, they think God's the source of all of our problems. They think God, and that, that's because Christians are telling them this. Well, you, oh, your, your mother died of cancer? Well, you know, God, God works in mysterious ways. God knows what he's doing. They're telling them that God's doing all this wicked and evil things. Oh, you're struggling financially. Well, God knows what he's doing. That's not God. God's the one who leads us to triumph. The, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow unto it. That's who God is. And see, when we reject the goodness of God, it's like if I were to, to come up to my wife and say, 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 Serena, I love you so much. I, I, I want to give you this. And I give her a, a nice gift. And she says, oh, no, no, no. Take that away. I don't deserve that. What she said, she's she, like... Oh, any, like picture this, if, if I were to go to my wife, anytime I try to give her something, anytime I try to give her a kiss, she rejected it because she felt unworthy. What does that say about me as a husband? How am I making you feel unworthy? What, what did I do to make you feel unworthy? I, picture this from God's perspective. I sent my own son to die for you. I'm standing up in my chair. Hear the heart of God, rooted and grounded in love. Don't despise the goodness of God. Don't reject the goodness of God out of some weird religious piety. Receive it and go and, pro and, go and, and receive the promise. Go, go and claim the promise. Go and take hold of the land that God has for you. Because if we don't do that, someone else will. Don't, if we don't do it, somebody else will. And God wants, the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. See, the wealth that, that all these wicked men in Canaan had, God was preparing it for, the, for his people. But, they, but they, they didn't think they were worthy enough. They didn't think they were strong enough. They didn't know God enough to be able to go and possess it. But it, it took 40 years for them to understand we can go and possess it. Don't, don't wait 40 years and then wake up one day and say, wow, God actually wants me to possess this? God wants me to have these things? If God said it in his, in his word, it's his will. God loves you. Don't reject the goodness of God. He, I, I want to read that, that verse in Joshua, Joshua 3, Jeremiah 3. Verse 19, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I looked forward to you, your calling me father. I wanted you never to turn from me. That's the heart of God. He wants nothing more than to bless you. Why? Because he's a good father. Remember what Jesus said. If you wicked fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask? That's who he is. He's a good father. He's a, he's a good father. So don't reject the goodness of God. Go and take it. And, and go take the land. Take the land. When you face ob obstacles, when you face opposition, don't say God's closing the door. Possess it. Seek the Lord and he'll, he'll show you. He'll give you instruction and direction on how you can possess it. That's who God is. He's faithful. He's good. So the question is, what promise 
is God putting in front of you? What promise are you believing God for? Don't just sit there and wait for it to happen. Don't just sit, sit there and say, well, I know one day it'll come to me. No, seek the Lord. Say, Father, what do I do? The Bible says in, in uh, James chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask the Lord and He'll give it to you freely. He won't rebuke you. He'll give it to you freely. He'll show you what you need to do. Again, Pro Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all you do, in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. So what's the promise? Seek the Lord. Father, what must I do? What can I do? Uh, you know, what, how do I serve you? Again, those who wait on the Lord, those who serve Him. Uh, Father, what must I do? What can I do to bring about the promise? What, how do I possess the land? Give me wisdom on how I can possess that promise. And He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. A lot of it can be found in the Word. But God will, God will begin to lead you into triumph. He'll begin to direct you into, path, into straight paths. Not crazy, windy, all over the place paths, but straight paths. That's who God is. That's how He operates. Because, why? Because He loves you. Just put it in the comments. God loves me. It's, it's one of the most foundational things. One of the most foundational things we can ever talk about. But if we can fully come to understand that there's no fear in love, perfect love casts out all fear. It's not my love for God that casts out fear, but it's understanding God's love for me. It's not my, my love for God that casts out fear, but understanding if God loves me, no obstacle can stand in my way. God loves me. God loves you. He's leading you to a good land. He's leading you to a, an exceedingly good land. And I, I want to just take a moment and pray for you and pray with you. And I want you to believe with me. And then I'll hand it over to Barrett for the, for the, uh, the next part. Uh, but I, I want to pray with you. I want you to pray with me. Let, let, let's just do this. Father God, right now in Jesus' name, I pray over every single person listening within the sound of my voice, every person in the studio and every person watching on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope, on Twitter, all over the world. Father God, I pray right now, God, that you will put within them a supernatural strength, God, a supernatural endurance, Father. God, I pray the same thing that, that, that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. I pray that they will be rooted being rooted and established in love, in your love, will have the ability to comprehend the depth and width and the length and the height of your great love for them. Father God, help them to understand how much you truly and deeply care for them. Father God, right now we wipe out every lie of the enemy, every lie where the enemy has tried to convince them that they're not worth it, that they're worthless. Father God, right now we declare that Christ died to make them worth it. God, Christ died to show them how much they are truly worth. They are worth the price of the Son of God. And so, Father God, I thank you that your word says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, and that includes them, that he gave his one and only Son, so that those who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I thank you that Jesus came, that they can have life and life to the full. And so, Father, right now, I just come against every lie, every false identity that the devil has tried to put on their minds and put in their spirits that told them they were worthless, that they weren't righteous enough, that they weren't good enough. Father God, I thank you that in Christ we are a new creature. 
So all the worthlessness, all the sinness, all the, all the wickedness and all the, the wretchedness has been crucified and we are new. Father God, help them to see the love that you have for them. God, a love that surpasses the love of any natural father for his children, any husband for his wife. Father, your love is so much greater. Help us to understand the depths of it, even a little bit. Father, so that we can come boldly before your throne. And Father God, right now, in Jesus' name, for those who are believing to receive the promise, they're believing for the promise. God, I pray, Lord, that you will give them supernatural wisdom on what to do, on, on, on how they can wait on you, on how they can serve you right now. God, how they can be most effectively serving you, Father, so that they can inherit the promises. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will surround them with people that according to Hebrews, that, that they can be followers of those who through faith and patience have inherited the promise. God, show them people who have inherited the promise. Lead them around people so that they can know and look up to and have, ha, and have a vision on how they, can, how they can inherit the promise. But Father God, more than anything, I pray, Lord, that they will, they will come to an intimacy with you that they've never had before. That, they will, that, that their eyes will be enlightened, God, to how much you truly and deeply care for them. That they will see that you want nothing more than to bless them and to prosper them, and to be there for them, and to lead them into good things. Because, Father, that God, as your word says in, in Psalm 21, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack no thing, and surely goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their life, and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, guys, I'm going to hand it over to Barrett. I, I, I pray that this encouraged you and strengthened you uh, in your walk with God. But now Barrett's going to take over, and she's going to close us out. So on to you, Barrett. Amen. And as you all know, every single day here on the broadcast, we want to give you an opportunity to give because the Word has told us that God's system is a system of seed, time, and harvest. And so just to piggyback on what Buddy was talking about, um, I want to share very, very briefly two different times in the Bible where an offering was given and the perspective on why people gave, but God's heart. And it's just so good. So, you know, we've talked about it before. Second Kings chapter four, it talks about a woman a woman who was a widow and she didn't have anything. She thought she didn't have anything. She was looking at a giant in front of her, a giant of debt, a giant that told her that she was going to be trapped, that there was no hope in front of her. And so she comes before Elisha and says, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Her husband's dead. The giant in front of her says, I'm going to come take your kids. You have nothing. These are what was being said that she took to be true. She took that to be true about herself. The enemy is saying, you've got nothing. You've got no hope. You've got no man. You have no supply. You've got nothing. But praise God, she went to a man of God who said, tell me, what do you have in the house? And her immediate response was nothing except for a jar of oil. 
The report that she listened to told her she had nothing, but because the man of God flowed in the anointing, he caused a thought to come alive inside of her. It triggered her to think different thoughts. When you encounter God, all of a sudden the presence of God will cause you to think thoughts you hadn't been thinking before. When the enemy keeps speaking to you saying, you've got nothing to give, I have nothing to offer, I have nothing. One moment in the presence of God will clear away any bit of fogginess that was there. And so Elisha told her, go get a whole bunch of jars, go to your friend's house, go to your neighbor's house, go borrow jars of oil. Give me the oil you have. Go borrow vessels, verse three, go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few and you shall go in and shut the door behind you, you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They were bringing the vessels to her and she poured. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another. And he kept doing this. And finally he said, there's no more. She had so much that when she gave when she did what the Lord told her to do and she poured the vessel, she poured the oil into the jars. It didn't run out until she ran out of things to put the blessing of God in. God's heart was to meet her. It didn't matter what that giant looked like. It didn't matter what the report coming in said as we're obedient to what the voice and the voice of God alone tells us to do. That's when we will see the victory. And y'all were doing this already. You were hearing the voice of the Lord. I was watching it in the comments and it's so beautiful. When you hear the voice of God talking to you, all of a sudden it'll clear away that bit of deception that was there saying, you have nothing to give. Why bother giving? It's just a dollar. It's just 50 cents. It's just a hundred dollars. Why even bother doing this? It's nothing. It's meaningless. That's a bunch of baloney. It's a bunch of baloney. The truth of God is that he is leading you to triumph. And is he, if he says, so ascent, you so ascent. If he says, so a chicken, we've literally had chickens given into this ministry before because that's what the people had to give. When the Lord tells you to give, you give. And that's it. That's it. That's what determines whether or not you're honoring the Lord. Honor is an overflow of your heart. And when you purpose in your heart, it doesn't have to be for a long period of time. You don't have to have been thinking for 20 hours, what am I going to give in the next offering? Like, I mean, think on it, but you could have had a whole bunch of lies try and talk to you or different voices or doubts or different giants try to distract you away from the truth of God. But when you allow the voice of God to come in, it'll clear away all that muck. And so it doesn't matter if you if you've been thinking on it for a day if you've been thinking on it for 10 seconds the lord is able to speak to you now here's the other account that i love the queen of sheba comes in first kings we're going to flip back a book first kings chapter 10 when the queen of sheba heard about the fame of solomon when she heard not about how good God was. When the queen heard how good Solomon was, when the queen heard about the blessing that was on Solomon's life, 
<laughs> in Jesus' name, I declare that there's about to be a Solomon blessing that breaks out over your life. There are people giving into this broadcast today that are going to have the blessing, I feel that Holy Spirit, that are going to have the blessing of Solomon that causes men and women to have to drive from near and far to see all that God has done. It says, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with difficult questions. But she came, she came carrying different spices, carrying different gold and stones. She came prepared. She didn't just come saying, ah, I'm going to see what, what's going on. She came to see what Solomon was about, what was going on in Solomon's house, what was going on in Solomon's camp. And she got there and it... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this story. When the queen of Sheba perceived all that, all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food at his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters and their attire, what his servants were wearing made her notice. Stink, not even just Solomon, the people that worked for Solomon, his cupbearers, his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. It says there was no more spirit in her. She straight up passed out under the glory of God because of how much somebody else was blessed. The blessing of the Lord caused her to have no more spirit in her. That's how much God wants you blessed. When is the last time somebody looked at your life and praised God to the point that there was no more spirit inside of them? That's how praiseworthy it was. When's the last time that happened to you? Man, in Jesus' name, it happens to me all the time. Say, it happens to me all the time. As you become givers, why was Solomon this blessed? Because he gave to the Lord. He ministered to God. He sowed when he could. He asked the Lord for wisdom, and the Lord caused him to become wise, which caused him to become great. You can have this Solomon blessing. You can have this sort of blessing on your life. This was old covenant. What's available to you now that you're in the new covenant? As you give today, know that you are giving into the God that blessed Solomon this much. And it says when she, you know, when she woke up, <laughs> it said, she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came and saw it with my own eyes. And behold, the half was not told to me. What I thought I knew, it wasn't even half as good as how good it actually is. And then it said that she gave. <laughs> <laughs> she was so blessed to see what God had done. It said, blessed be your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king. Verse 10, the queen of Sheba gave a king, gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great amount of spices and precious stones. Never again did such an abundance of spices come in as that which the Queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. Here's the thing. Leaving the stones, leaving the rubies, the sapphires, the emeralds, leaving the spices, even though it says in the word that no other, like there was no other offering as great as the spices that she gave, Putting that aside, just the talents alone, 120 gold talents, that is in today's money, that is $3,600,000, $3,600,000 in gold, plus the jewels, plus the spices, 
simply because the glory of God had come on Solomon's house and all that he owned, all that he touched, all that he had. That's the sort of blessing that God desires to come into your life. He desires your home to be blessed. He desires your family to be blessed. He desires your employees to be blessed. He desires your cars to be blessed. All that you do, all that you are, all that you'll ever be. He wants it to be so blessed that men and women come from near and far to see the blessing of the Lord that's on your life because it brings him glory. She knew that it was God who had prospered Solomon like this. No other man could cause him to become what he was. No other man could cause him to do what he had done. This was God and God led her to give. What sort of offering is your awe of God going to lead you to give today? God is good. He's a good God. You've heard it all afternoon long from us. He's a good God. And you gave. I've been what literally, it's blessed me so much seeing different people give and give and give and give. Even before the offering came, because that's what the queen of Sheba did. She brought an offering and she didn't wait for King Solomon to say, no, come bless. No, she needed to give it to him because the glory of, the God, was, of God was so strong that she needed to give. What is the Lord causing you to do in awe today, in wonderment today? As you sow, know that this sort of blessing is yours for the taking. It's yours for the having. Every seed that you sow, it's leading you to this place. Your house will be great. Your name will be great because the Lord will make it great because you're a sower and you're a covenant partner with the Lord. That's why we have this time of giving. That's why we have it. Not to make our name great, but so that your name may be made great through the seed and the time and the harvest that you sow in to the Lord. Not just to this ministry, to the Lord. You're honoring the Lord. Every seed sown, it's honoring the Lord. Jose, your seed that you just sowed, it's going to bring honor to your house in Jesus' name. You will see the honor of God on all of your, all that your hands go to work on. Everything that you and Billy do, you will see the blessing of the Lord on it. You'll see the blessing of the Lord on your children. You will never have a moment where those girls do not know the blessing of the Lord. And they will know that it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. In Jesus name, will you never in the name of Jesus have sorrow and toil in your home? You will only be the blessed of the Lord. That's who you are. And Lord, the same is true. That's not just for Jose and Billy. That is for every person who will grab a hold of it. God's not a respecter of persons. In the name of Jesus today, Lord, every person who sows, every person who gives, let them be known in their communities as the blessed of the Lord. Let them be known in their families as the blessed of the Lord. Let them be known by men and women near and far that the blessing of the Lord has come into their lives and that he adds no sorrow to it. We will not have a lottery sort of mentality in the body of Christ because when you make someone rich, there's no sorrow and it doesn't leave. It stays. There is a standing blessing that is attached to when God blesses somebody. Lord, may every family be blessed. May every family be prospered. May every family be multiplied in the name of Jesus. Blessings and blessings in abundance be in Jesus name. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for it. Thank you for the sowers. Thank you for the givers. Thank you, Father. You are so good. You're so good. Lord, you are so good. We thank you. Thank you for this ministry. Thank you, Lord, for the vision that you've given us. And thank you for every viewer. May they be blessed mightily 
in the name of Jesus, blessed mightily. We thank you for them. Thank you for our partners and our ministry partners. We thank you, Lord. You are great. You are great. You're great. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God is so good, y'all. He's so good. And we just, we thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for joining us. And tomorrow is going to be an awesome, awesome day here on the broadcast. We're going to be back tomorrow live on What's the Word. It'll be myself and Buddy and Paul, and we're going to have a special word for you tomorrow. Make sure that you tune in. And tomorrow is also one of my favorite days because it is Food Mash. I say that in faith. Hallelujah. Uh, food Mash will be up. And then Truth Talk, we... Y'all, we played some games. Uh, you're going to enjoy them. We're going to have a new Truth Talk video for you tomorrow. And my top 10. What do you think my top 10 list is going to be? You're going to have to tune in to find out. We'll be back tomorrow, 11.45 a.m. We love you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Be blessed in Jesus' name. <laughs> have a great day.